can nap your way to being a great Jazz and Alex, let's go bounce, all right? Flash, red ash, red ash, red ash, red ash. I'll get a chance to go on the ice and uh, rub elbows. There's a hundred manuals on how to get into the profession. I haven't seen any books yet on how to get out. You know, I'm just a big, fat, hairy, American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. Welcome to a very special edition of the Cardinal Zone Podcast. I'm Zach Grastel, and along myself and Jake Bowers today are Ethan Levy and Ben Pickman to talk about the Wisconsin women's basketball team. Gentlemen, welcome. Nice to be here, Zach. Jake? <laughs> All right, so the Badgers finally snapped their seven-game win streak this week with a win against Purdue. Uh, what do you guys think went right for them in that game? Um, yeah, they played a very good game. They did all the, the little things better than they normally do. Uh, earlier this week, we were, we were talking about the front court struggles, and, uh, and last night the front court really kind of they, they anchored the game. Uh, Michaela Johnson had one of her best games of the season, and normally they're, uh, they're out-rebounded, like eight rebounds per game, but, but they were plus 11 on the boards this game, and that really helped them retain possessions and and uh, those little things help definitely lead to their success. I think another big key was that for the first time in about a month that three, at least three of their four seniors, key seniors, played really, really well. Um, Nicole Bauman, she had uh, 19, 16 points. Michaela Johnson played incredibly well. Dakota White also played very well. And Tessa Sitchi, as Coach Kelsey has preached all year, does a lot of the little things really well. And that's something that they've been very inconsistent as a group. On most nights, one or two or three of them gets going, but they've struggled to get all four going. And I know Nicole both after the game and a little bit um, at practice today, she was talking about, she was relieved that they had finally won a game, and she was remarking that and it was amazing at how much effort it took to really win that game, and that now they know where they have to reach and get to level-wise, and they're looking forward to continuing on their successes in, in the future. Uh, was there anything during that seven-game losing streak that really stood out to you guys as to something they were not doing well? Well, I think the big thing at first was inconsistent front court play, right? Michaela Johnson, she's a six-year senior. She was one of their highest recruits. She transferred from UConn, and she was coming off her second ACL surgery in six years um, this past season. And she was up and down. She was expected to be a major post threat coming into the season, expecting to demand a double team all the time. But she hasn't been that consistent force that I think Coach Kelsey and, and the rest of the team thought she would be. And as a result, she's been up and down. Her power forward, her front court uh her front court partner, Aviad and Young, who's also a transfer, getting back on the uh, Wisconsin floor for the first time this year. Um, she's been up and down in terms of points and rebounds, and so they've been, they haven't been able to put together really a solid game where the two of them bring it before last night. Uh, yeah, they were, they were um, in, this, in this last seven-game stretch, they've had pretty good turnover numbers for the majority of the Big Ten season, but the last couple games, those turnovers have been have been way up and it's been hurting them. There have been uh, only three games this year, including Purdue, where they've turned the ball over less than 10 times and each of those were wins. So they turned the ball over nine times against Purdue and that was definitely a contributing factor in their win. One of the one of the things that they always struggle with is um, they play they play a very difficult schedule. The Big Ten is one of the best conferences in women's college basketball with legitimate Final Four contenders in Rutgers, Maryland, and Ohio State. And so they've Part of why they've had these seven losses is because they faced those three teams. They faced Ohio State on the road. They faced Rutgers on the road. Those are incredibly tough places to play and incredibly deep teams. Ohio State turned them over, I think, 17 times and has the two, arguably the two best guards in the country in Kelsey Mitchell um, and a girl named, I think, Ashley Alston. Um, but Mitchell is especially, she's probably the best player in women's college basketball, and she was able to, uh, to wreak havoc on the Badgers' backcourt all night long. 
Obviously, amid, I have a question. Amid sort of that, that losing streak, there was the Bobby Kelsey, what sort of began known as sort of a meltdown. To me, I thought it was overblown. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal, but it was all over Twitter. I believe it made it, did it make it to SportsCenter? Yeah. It might have. It was on ESPN. It's, to me, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. I think she was just sending a message to her team, which was clearly just not in any game. And I don't know. I thought that her remarks, you know, based on me, I'm not. You know, I don't have my finger on the pulse as close as you guys, but I feel like they were completely warranted and, and right on the mark. I mean, I think that's absolutely true, and, and she's she's very adamant, and, and I think we both agree that she's preached that message all season long, and all of her team, her entire team knows, get in the gym, get in the gym, get in the gym. She preaches it every single day after practice. When they were winning, when they're losing, she's always she always talks about the importance of practice, and that will it, it will eventually pay off. And so... I think she was a little taken off guard that it went viral for for basically 48 hours. It was one of the top sports stories that was shared, um, and, and that caught her by surprise. It caught a lot of her players by surprise, and I think I talked to Nicole Bauman, and, and Bauman reflected that she had all of her friends from all over the country were Facebook messaging her and texting her, oh, look, your coach, she's on oh, Facebook, she's on Bleacher Report, she's on Twitter, she's blowing up everywhere. And Bauman's like, yeah, it's it, that's great, but... She preaches this every day. It's not really a rant. Yeah, that, that's brutal. I don't, I'd say I think that kind of the, maybe one of the reasons why it became a nationwide thing was not that if she had just been like focusing on her team herself, it probably wouldn't have been that big a deal, but she kind of expanded it to include pretty much like all of basketball, all of women's that's basketball. Bad. Yeah. So I think it kind of you know, is a broader scoped thing. I was still surprised to see how big it got. Yeah, it, this is actually, it was interesting. Um, I, I was home for the weekend and... And I was talking to someone, and, and their daughter is in high school, and she's looking at colleges to play college basketball. And the first thing they told me is that, is that their daughter was, was like really liked the rant. She is a she is a basketball player coming up. Thought there was there was nothing wrong with it. It was a bunch of valid remarks, and it just it shows how how big this story got for something that's really been a sentiment to what they've been saying win or lose all year. I mean, you could tell even after this game, the last the last game against Purdue, they were still they still made made references to it because it's not about just something they were upset about at the loss. She yeah. wants win or lose. She wants them to get in the gym and and be working on on improving. Yeah, that's and, a cool point. And it goes off. I mean, Kelsey talks about it in terms of high school recruits that she's a little bit tired of seeing um, like dribbling videos where people are going in and out of cones. She'd rather just see people shooting and consistently making jump shots. She's very adamant that. Do the fundament do the fundamentals right, and you're going to be a pretty good women's basketball player. We don't the the women don't dunk anyway. They're not. It's not a high flying, explosive game like the men's game or like the NBA is. And so, if you can do the little things, if you can shoot, if you can screen, if you can rebound, if you can defend, and you can show us that, that's more important than any of these flashy moves that you might see other in other uh, levels of basketball. It's funny that she referenced Steph Curry in that in that sort of outburst and then <laughs> on the same token says don't worry about the dribbling drills and stuff like that but that's uh that is what it is uh one of the things you guys were talking a little bit about before we started recording was uh their increased use of the 2-3 zone this year ben i think you compared them that they're kind of going like replicating syracuse yeah. almost yeah i mean so they one of their new assistants is a, is a woman named sasha palmer and she's the recruiting coordinator and now assistant coach and, and she's from waterton wisconsin and, and so in the past couple of years she's worked at syracuse doing the same job and she came back to wisconsin this year and what she called like our homecoming for herself and she basically has instilled uh this two three zone for the wisconsin team they didn't really play it a lot in the past coach kelsey was a little she was hesitant she didn't really know the ins and outs of it and palmer who 
um, coached at the women's team where they also run it just like the men, right? So the women are consistently running this 2-3, and they actually play a zone press all the time too. Um, but the women and the men at Syracuse both played this 2-3, and so she applied a lot of those concepts that she learned back to Wisconsin. And so they've played it for long quarters at a time. Last night against Purdue, they were really successful against it. They played it probably four four times in three or four possession spurts, and they did very, very well, and it really threw Purdue off. The way that the women's game is structured, do you sort of see the 2-3 as a viable four-quarter option that you would use you know, in longer spurts than, than Wisconsin does? Well, I think what makes it really hard is that there are still a lot of talented players that can attack the 2-3, right? So against Maryland, Wisconsin came out in the 2-3 zone, and within four or five possessions, they switched out of it, right? Um, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, who's uh, one of the best players in the country, she torched uh, Wisconsin for... What? It was, it was, I think it was like 22, around there. In the first, and, qu- in the first half. Yeah, in the first half. But yeah. she was able to um, attack baseline over and over, over again against the Wisconsin zone, and as a result, they switched out of it back into man. I think mm. players that can really shoot the ball and players that can drive to the rim and split the zone, that's really the key. Um, and, and so it was not successful against Maryland, and teams eventually adjust to it. Um, so I don't think it's as formidable a strategy as one might expect. I just one thing I thought of now when you were mentioning mentioning about four quarters. Uh, what effect do you think that's had on women's basketball this year, like going from two halves to four quarters? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's the it's obviously the, the same length, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it just gives them a break, time to time to um, I don't know, re-energize themselves. But uh, I don't know. I think coaches are a lot measuring measuring the team's success and measuring the game in terms of quarters, what they can do from a quarter standpoint. And just it's, it may be easier to break the game up and get a little bit of a, a better feel for how you're doing in these small spurts rather than rather than a full half. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe that helps the coaches to to show the team, you know, what they're doing, what's successful, and, and things like that. I know a key point that's been brought up in the men's game a lot, especially recently, for whatever reason, is that it would break up the sort of bonuses from fouling. So we're not seeing a team shooting one-on-one starting at the 14-minute yeah. mark. Yeah, yep. but I think everyone can agree that that sucks. That's what I was just yeah. going to ask, actually. Is what When uh, you watch, cover all these women's basketball games and you watch men's basketball games, how do you think the flow compares to the games? Do you think it kind of, like he's mentioned, the little breakup kind of actually helps? Yeah, I mean, I think game flow is much better. Yeah. Um, you... Right, you know exactly what you're playing to. You play ten hard minutes, and and that's it. Versus the men's game, which at points in the first half just seems to drag on and on and on. It's less of a problem in the second half, but in the first half, it really seems lethargic and everlasting. Um, offense is up, I think, around women's college basketball as a result of the quarters. And I think another really nice thing about it, especially for a team like Wisconsin that really likes to play with Nicole Bauman all the time. Right, she seldom gets any rest. She had a nine minute break yesterday to close the first half but that was only a result of foul trouble and those were her only nine minutes that she uh those were the only nine minutes she sat all night um but it allows you to sub a little bit differently you can change your patterns knowing that you're getting that 10 minute break that 10 minute timeout, and you really can rest and reset and make adjustments in between quarters so i think it's really helped um college basketball i think coach kelsey was a little she was a little unsure um about it early on but i know she's she likes it and, and thinks it's much better for the game um, now that they play four quarters. Uh, you guys have also mentioned that yeah, ball movement on offense has been lacking for the Badgers. Where do they need to improve exactly on that, do you think? Uh, yeah, so um, the, this team, uh, they get themselves into situations where they're not really passing the ball. They only have about 12 assists per game, which is 
210th in the nation, which obviously is not very good. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they get into these situations where, where they'll hold the ball and they'll be moving around at the top of the key, but then when it really gets to, you know, 10 seconds left in the shot clock, they don't look to make a playoff off a, you know, a, a, a pass. They'll start, you know, getting into ISO ball and they won't they won't move it and they'll try and try and go into and in, go into it on their own. Dakota White has sometimes had a little bit of an issue with that, holding the ball really late in the shot clock and not not having anyone she's really looking to kick it out to. And uh, I think over over this seven game losing streak, that was definitely one of the big big contributors to why they were not being able to pull out games. I mean, another issue with the uh, with the ball movement uh, problem is that when Michaela Johnson or, or Avi Young post up frequently, the guards don't cut as much as they should off ball, right? And so if they're standing around, the ball sticking in the post player's hands, there's no movement going on in offense. And Coach Kelsey will yell like, move, 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 very loud, very audibly. And sometimes it'll lead to movement, sometimes it won't. But I think the front court players are often to blame sometimes because if they take too much of a time or take too much time dribbling the ball or they hold it and probe and jab at their defender for too long, the guards just kind of stand around and don't cut as much as they should. So that's affected their ball movement as well. So those are all things that have happened thus far for Wisconsin. Uh, they have a fairly mediocre record at this point, and that's kind of put more pressure on Bobby Kelsey, who last year had her contract uh, maintained but not renewed, so she didn't get that extra year that happened to her and Mike Eves which most people kind of thought that kind of sent the message that she came into this year on the hot seat. Uh, what do you expect to see from the Badgers, for one, going, for the Badgers going the rest of the way this year, and then what do you expect for Bobby Kelsey's future with the school? Well, to the latter, I can't speak for certain what's going to happen, but I think the one thing that really is in her favor is they've been sh- they have incredible fight, right? This team, and she talks about it all the time, they don't give up, and they've lost a lot of close games. Um, where they are down big, but then they make these huge fourth quarter runs. I think they're like plus 30 in the fourth quarter this season, which is pretty good. Um, they make big fourth quarter runs and they don't quit and they keep competing. And that's something she's really proud of. And I think that helps her cause us a lot to, to know that uh, for Barry Alvarez, when he's looking and he's saying, oh, this team does not quit on, on their coach. They continue to fight. They continue to compete. All signs, all the players really like her. I think she gets along really well with a lot of the players. And they have a really good, they have their best recruiting class under her coming in next year. Um, they have, a, I think, four or five really, really top-level top recruits. And so that's going to help her cause also. So I think she'll be back next year. And, and I think she's, she's earned it. They're, they're improving. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. You can see after the games and, and all the interactions, she's definitely, she's definitely tough on her players. There's no doubting that. Um, in that, you know, that the rant or whatever you want to call it, it was kind of misguided because it seemed like she was she was really down on her players and not appreciating them. But but you can tell in, in their interactions the players really like her. They appreciate the way that she she pushes them. And um it's interesting to see because obviously record wise you've seen they've not you they've not had a record that they th- thought would, you know, reflect their talent at the beginning of the season. But in the same light they're doing some things like Ben was talking about with uh with their energy and their effort that um really leads to to showing how she's getting him going. And I think Dakota White is uh Kelsey's relationship with Dakota White is really really interesting, right? Because White has some national team experience for Team Canada. Um she's played in a ton of international tournaments. She's expecting to go to the Olympics I think in 2020 with um the Canadian national team and she's kind of the she has the she penetrates the best of all the Badgers players. She's the best isolation player. She's the best just attacking the rim off the dribble. And so Kelsey really pushes her 
to to be better, to lead the team, to be a point guard, but then also pushes her and has done so all year on the defensive end where White is sometimes inconsistent to really be a better on-ball defender than, than she sometimes shows. I think that's you brought up some good points. That I mean, like you, I can only speculate into what Barry Alvarez is thinking about this, but the fact that, as you mentioned, they have a good recruiting class coming in can only help her cause. And if they do finish strong, you know, that certainly helps in her favor. And I don't know how much of a big deal this would be, but maybe if her situation gets overshadowed a bit by the men's hockey program, because, I mean, they are just having a horrible season after they had a program where season last year have not gotten much better. That's why, I mean, Mike Eves has no way he keeps his job. So I don't know if that will if that help her, will help her at all, but, I mean, it can't hurt. They have, I mean, Michigan's coming up, and I think that's a pretty winnable game there in the bottom half of the Big Ten. They beat Indiana. Um, Illinois was a close game. They started slowly and then uh, came on again. It was one of those games. Northwestern, they haven't played yet. Maryland will probably be a loss in College Park. They beat them big at home. And then Purdue, who they've just beaten. So they have a lighter schedule in their final six games. So they probably could go 3-3 three and three and, and finish much stronger and get 10 wins, and, and that'll probably be an accomplishment, winning <laughs> four out of your last seven if they do that. Yeah, especially going into the, the final stretch of the season with, with the senior players we were mentioning earlier. After after the Purdue game, they were they were definitely happy about getting that win, but Michaela and Nicole both made separate comments that just the main message was we keep fighting, we're not done, we're fighting. And I think having competitive athletes like that that really want to finish out their season strong can't can't hurt going down the stretch. Special thanks to Ethan Levi and Ben Pickman for hopping on and talking some women's basketball. That was a cool conversation uh, about a team that usually doesn't get too much attention. So it's cool to hear about that. So we'll shift over to Ben's basketball a little bit just for a brief little over, overview of what they're looking at this week. So they have Nebraska tomorrow night at home at the Kohl Center. Um, Zach, you went to practice yesterday. How are things shaping up with Nebraska? What does that matchup look like? Uh, it's definitely a game that the Badgers should win. Especially and that they really need to win, especially with uh, Siobhan Shields for Nebraska's second, their second leading scorer. Right, who has, took that bad fall over the weekend and will not be playing. So that's yeah, they're it's Nebraska's coming to the Kohl Center, a team Wisconsin should and has to beat. I would be surprised if the Badgers lose, and so I mean especially with the uh, the schedule they have coming <clears throat> up, they had Saturday they'll be heading to College Park to take on Maryland, and after that it's. Uh, they're still on the road against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get into the real tough part of their schedule with road games against those two teams, and I won Purdue down the road. Games that, you know, they're going to get one or two wins out of those. So, I mean, that's I'd expect to see more of the same of what we've seen so far during their five-game win streak. Yeah. And then last game against Ohio State, obviously, the three-point game started to come into effect more than it had all year. I believe that 13 threes yep. against the Buckeyes. Are you worried about that? them sort of leaning on that too much now or do you think that's something that's encouraging and that you know they can sort of lean on the, the uh you know perimeter game to generate some offense now yeah there's a point in the first half where i was getting concerned because i thought they were becoming over reliant yeah i was that was the first game i've been at all year and it seemed like they were just hacking up shots for a while you know they're getting over reliant i thought on jumpers uh, but the thing was as ohio state was pretty much committed and said okay we're you're not going to score in the post mm-hmm. we're going to you know disrupt Hap and Hayes and guys trying to score down low, and so that's and but it left a lot of opportunities for wide open threes, and there was for some stretches there were where they actually weren't hitting them. But I mean, mm-hmm. after besides that, some one brief stretch in the first half where I thought they were relying too much on jumpers, I thought 
they did a fine job of it. I mean, they're getting open looks from three, so go ahead and take them. Sure. So, I mean, I don't think that's something that they want to get stuck in doing and try to rely on that too often. I don't think it's something they'll have to. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was nice to see on a night where they didn't have their best post game going that they were still able to win. And Hap struggled too in that game, obviously. Because as you mentioned, they were loading up the loading up the paint, but he still mm-hmm. looked pretty good. Like he, He's still able to hold his own in that, and it's good to see him sort of, even though his production isn't there, sort of still be a presence down low even when he's not putting up those points. I think especially early on in the year you wouldn't have seen him down there where he's you know no. really holding his own and, and shoving guys around down there and is still a presence even if there aren't those numbers. No, definitely not earlier in the year. Uh, uh, you'd hate to call him soft, but I mean, he wasn't very aggressive in the post. In a game like that where things weren't going well, you know, he'd probably hung his head a little bit, would not have kept being so aggressive. But, I mean, since he started improving and since we've gotten to Big Ten play, he's been just spectacular. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I definitely think it was encouraging to see that even when things aren't going well, he still stays true to his game, stays really aggressive, and I think that bodes very well for his game moving forward. Yeah. And then another thing I was sort of curious about to get your take on is Bronson obviously played a little bit better um, against Ohio State. Do you think this could be a turning point for him? Because I know it's just been such an up-and-down season, and, you know, he, he really kept them in the game against Michigan State. That was huge, but really that's sort of the only really highlight that jumps out to me when you think about who Bronson has been this year. Yeah, he's had some real rough patches this year. It was encouraging It was encouraging to see him do so well the last time out against Ohio State. Um, I can only be remained to see if that becomes a jumping point off him. I could see that happening. I could see that being a confidence builder. But uh, my hope would be is that he doesn't get into it. He tends, has this tendency sometimes to try to force too much, mm-hmm. force up shots that aren't there. So I'm hoping he doesn't get overly aggressive with it and if I mean the shots are starting to fall obviously take more shots but I hope he still you know serves mostly to distribute and try to let guys like Hap and Hayes do a lot of work and then he he can take his shots when he gets open looks sure well I think that wraps it up then for mm-hmm. this episode um thanks for listening like we mentioned be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Colonel Zone podcast thanks